Hey there, this is Jenny Chen. I'm the founder of 3D Heels. Welcome to the Lattice Podcast, the official podcast for 3D Heels. This is where you will find fun but in depth conversations with technological game changers, creative minds, entrepreneurs, rule breakers, and more. Focusing on how we can use 3D technologies like 3D printing and bioprinting to reinvent healthcare and even life sciences. This podcast will also include AMA or Ask Me Anything sessions, past Instagram live interviews with influencers, and other direct engagements with our tribe. <laughs> um. Well, thank you very much for joining me for uh, this uh, Instagram Live. This is supposed to be like casual, semi-casual kind of conversation just to have fun. Um, I really love at least our Instagram followers. I think they're extremely creative and curious and fun. So I thought that we should have some conversations to, you know, serve the purpose of, you know, letting people know what you're doing, what these experts are doing and some tips and guides for people. Um, but let's first introduce you. So Fabio, you're a jack of all trades, basically. Um, I was looking at your bio and then you're like everything, and I believe it because I, I experienced it when I asked you questions that you can answer all of them, either from CAT CAM to Meadow 3D printing to Brazil ecosystem. Um, but why don't you give, us uh you know a more thorough explanation of what all those titles mean you know how what do you do with uh Farco technologies for example and then yeah, yeah. i do work i will I do work with my, my manufacturing since 90 actually 91 when i left the technical school i had been working with machining i started working with machining and uh, with the cad cam systems because of the machining and uh because of that, also, I started to work in a company that was to sell machines. Uh, that's why I got in the medical industry uh, to machine implants. And then uh, after some time, uh, uh, we were working with many kind of machining strategies and machining equipment for this industries. And uh, one day, one customer came to me with a implant, a uh, hip implant that was made by Edge Manufacturing. And uh, I, I, at that time, I had no idea how, they, how that part was uh, made. And then because of that, I started to research in the area. And then I finally, actually, it's a, it's a kind of funny story. I went to one of supplier in Switzerland and this supplier, uh, I showed the part to the supplier and they said, okay, we cannot do that by machining. But uh, I do have a customer that uh, put parts like this for uh, final precision work after some initial process that I don't know. Actually, it's inside a dark room, hided inside the company because it was a very secret at that time. That was... Uh, 2013 and then I said okay cool uh, do you think that they they can even talk to me then he said oh, I don't know but I'm sending some technician to fix the machine there do you want to go together with them uh, I said okay I try and then I went to them and after that 
it was uh, uh, I did visit the company. I saw the company, and the people there were had been very nice to me. They showed how they do that implants, and that's why I started in this business. I I did find the machine who do who do the work, and then I sold my first machine on the additive manufacturing world to a Brazilian company. And from there, by mixing, actually, actually, the both things are very connected because you need to do all the precision work on the additive manufacturing implants anyway. So machining and additive manufacturing go very well together. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we're still doing both. We have a division for additive manufacturing machine. We have a division for machining. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, we started to, to, to learn, to get more knowledge, trainings, and things like that. And uh, actually, because of the customers, we finally went to the, to the standards making, something that I really like, because uh, it's a very good way to absorb technology, absorb new uh, uh, information and uh, that's uh, where when a normal Latin American guy would go sit in the same table with the striker people with Airbus people with Boeing people and say I disagree so it's something that's a very it's very good for me as a person and also it's a very good way to uh, Absorb new technology. Well, where you are definitely is because you're a very adventurous person. I mean, it takes someone different to venture out, to sit on the table with these different people. Uh, but now we're talking about, you mentioned a couple of things about machining and implants. And um, I will post a link, uh, I think we already did, uh, that you wrote an article for us recently about materials for metal 3D printing implants. Um, obviously, um, the airplane cars are different from implants. But what are, can you point to us, what are some of the crucial difference when considering manufacturing an implant from the other things? Yeah, I think manufacturing is very a broad uh, subject. Uh, so we have, uh, even if you go to the standards, you have set dif seven different process that's called that manufacturing. So you have... Uh, uh, photopolymerization that starts from resins. You have uh, binder jetting that you glue powder and then you cook it in a, in a clean and many things like that. So the first thing that uh, very have a high impact in the implant market or implant making industry it's the material itself. Mm -hmm. You need. Uh, the outer material are very controlled, so if you have an implant that's made by titanium, you need a very specific alloy, the chemistry of this alloy, it's very controlled, On, not only because of the material properties or mechanical properties, but also because uh, the biocompatibility itself. So you, when you're going to to implant making, the only technology that can do the things that uh, go inside body right now for metals, it's powder bed fusion. Powder bed fusion, it's the technology that you 
make a very thin layer of powder and then you melt the contour to make the contour you need. Then you move the, 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 the layer down and then you melt a new layer and uh, it's the only way that you can control the chemistry of the material that you are melting. Uh, also, uh, it's important for the uh, medical industry uh, the the content uh, of this. So it's important that you know exactly what is having inside. Uh, laser and electron beam powder by diffusion, both of them you can know what you're doing. Uh, you don't, you can vacuum, for electron beam vacuum, it uh, happens in vacuum. Laser, have a, you have a shielding gas to separate the process from the regular air. So both of them you control what you put in your implant. Implants are very regulated on this. Uh, also more, uh, uh, you know about your material, uh, better you understand the final results. Since we are talking about metallurgy, you need to know what happens in the process because the process changes the material. Uh, for example, when you do machining, you, if you do a hip implant by machining, the, exactly the same material that starts the process ends the process because you, you are only removing material around the geometry you need for the final implant. Uh, when you're talking about uh, additive manufacturing in powder bed fusion, you're talking about metallurgic that transforms the material by making it liquid, then solid again. So you need to know uh, that it, that will be difference on the micro of the material. You're gonna have difference on the, uh, you're gonna insert porosity or less or more porosity and then it will change the performance of the material. Like uh, if you have too many oxygen in the, in the material, you reduce the fatigue uh, that material can handle. So you last, you last uh, less time uh, before breaking. So you need to, to have a very strict control of the of this thing. So what induces oxygen in the, the implant? It's how you handle your powder. So you need to control how storage, how you reuse, how you recycle mm -hmm. the stock using the component. So I have to admit, I've never used metal 3D printer. You know, all I have is extrusion FDM printer or occasionally I get access to resin-based SLA. Um, so I really don't know how you get in touch with the powder. I mean, I want to start from the beginning is when you talk about the feedstock is where you get these powder. What is, do you have any favorite suppliers or how do you know the correct feedstock for you? Actually, uh, most of the machine supplier, they, they do have partners. So they do deliver the theme or the recipe of the process uh, already controlled for the process. Like uh, you, if you talk to GE additive, GE additive machines, they do have, they actually, they do have a powder maker inside the group, APNC in Canada. So they do supply the powder, they can supply the powder. The machines can work with other powders, but then you might have to 
to develop a little bit the recite for that specific powder. I see. You are not the attached to that, but uh, makes things easier. Also, uh, other components like SLM, like uh, uh, EOS, and everybody, they do have uh, recipes to the powder that they have partnership. Uh, so that makes it a little bit easier when you work with titanium alloys. That makes sense. It's almost like uh, the filaments works best for certain, the many, they manufacture their own filaments and they work the best. So they kind of already up. Yeah, like, like strategies, like strategies, uh, they yes. do supply the filaments, like farm labs, they do is, uh, supply the, the resin. Yeah. In case of metal, uh, metal machines, uh, most of them don't uh, you, oblige you to use the the feedstock, but uh, if it's easy, if it's working, and if it's not more, exp more expensive, why not? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, well, I have another question, but, but before I go to my next question, um, I know we have some audiences, so feel free to ask questions. Um, this is our, I would say, early Instagram live, and I look forward to engage everybody who are online as much as possible. So feel free if you have any questions, uh, just type in the comment area, I believe, I hope. Um, all right, let's go to our next question is, you know, um, a couple months ago, I think we saw a very interesting conversation online. There's almost like, um, I don't know, a wrestle match match uh, between EBM and uh, laser sensor technology. Uh, um, where did that come from? And it seems like there is a trend moving to, uh, towards laser. Um, you want to explain us like what are the, you know, maybe simple terms, what are the fundamental differences between these two technologies and why one is better versus the other for different applications, I assume, right? When you said that's a trend, that, that's actually, it's more related to what's being made. Like, a, uh, because of the characteristics of each process, they are better for application, like everything in additive manufacturing. Additive manufacturing, you need to see the things in form of Wallace uh, way. So, uh, it's not only the process itself, even for polymers. Uh, some uh, you need to check the, what you need after, what kind of uh, heat treatments or metals you need heat treatments, or what kind of post-processing you need because it's hard to remove re remove the supports. We are not talking about polymers where you just cut with the you break or only you cut with the uh, uh, pliers. Actually, it's much more resistant in some some ways. Then you have the machining, the precision, and things like that. Well, my so, went off. <laughs> Automatic uh, Sorry. No problem. We are seeing you very well. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when you talk about the metal and uh, implants, depends actually depends what's it trending. Uh, and depends of markets. Like the uh, United States, there is, had been a lot of uh, uh, talking about uh, spinal cages and the smaller uh, implants. Uh, and then you have the first wave of the Additive manufacturing implants, it's much more on joints, on hip joints and knees and things like that. But uh, to understand this, you need to understand the differences in between the process. The main difference is the, uh, so the energy source. 
Right. Lasers are photons and uh, electrons are electrons. So uh, electron beam machine, you are uh, uh, speeding electrons over the material and the laser, you are speeding light over the material. Uh, so this is very different. They perform very different. You can have different uh, uh, amounts of energy, like uh, a regular laser machines normally work um, in something like 500 watts. watts. Uh, electron beam machines have 3,000 watts, so you can uh, melt uh, much more powder and bigger powder with the, all that energy uh, with the electrons. But and laser, you need a much smaller uh, uh, powder. So this smaller powder is more delicate. So you need a, a smaller beam, and then you have more precision. Mm -hmm. So when you uh, you, we can say on a, uh, overall that electron beam it's much more productive. Electron beam uh, melts better, or you can have better mechanical characteristics directly from the machine. And the laser, you have more precision. So if you are doing something that's really high precision, something that's maybe uh, uh, like uh, a very small. Uh, facial plate, a very small one, laser will be a better solution because you need more detail. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing a bigger uh, part or bulky parts like a joint or a hip joint or a knee joint, uh, then uh, and then you make make uh, many like uh, two, three thousand a, a year, like uh, if you get the biggest maker of a hip joints in Europe. Uh, Lima Corporate, they make thousands. They actually they have 150,000 uh, hip implants made since uh, five years ago. So they need productivity. They do need something that they they wouldn't work with laser. They they would use laser on a smaller productions. Actually, they don't. They only use electron beam anyway. But that's that's something that you need you need to realize what is the best for each process uh, actually it's kind of common sense in the market that's for joints uh, and the bigger implants you use electron beam and that for very small ones you do laser but uh, actually you can do both mm -hmm. uh, we have customers that use electron beam for facial implants for cranial plates and uh, there is people in laser that do uh, hip joints. So actually, you need to balance exactly what you need uh, to choose what is the best technology for. So yeah, and I'm also uh, assuming that you know the limitation that you pointed out uh, about either technology. That I'm assuming these um, the new machines are coming out right with better resolution and maybe higher uh, productivity. Is that possible? Yes, like uh, SLM Solutions and EOS, both of them announced laser machines with one with 10 lasers and the other one with 12 lasers to overcome the lack of yeah. uh, speed. And okay. then uh, Arkham just may have a new machine, uh, Spectra L, that have a bigger, can have make bigger parts for aerospace industry. So everything is evolving. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you need to evaluate your always application is key. 
on this. You need well, to know which, what Fabio, we've got one question. Our first question of the day. Sure. What's the market of the current anatomical model? I don't know. That's the anatomical really model. Thing. Yeah, I don't think people use that. That's a good question for Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, we wrote quite a bit about anatomical model space, and um, it's mostly polymer. They don't use metal. That's number one. Number two is it's mostly a hospital-based practice because hospital has a butter, bigger budget, um, and doing 3D printing right now is not really reimbursed, so it's still a pretty expensive activity. Um, you either do it as a hobby or you do it seriously, and you actually invest serious money. So in the hospital, I would say the major organ systems would be heart because congenital heart disease is a, you know, is a, is a very high risk surgery and people want to make sure um, that they know what they're facing as much as possible before going into this high risk um, procedure. Um, I've seen a lot of applications in cranial facial maxillary reconstruction. Um, as you know, it's pretty important how precision is very important. Um, so, and, uh, I mean, basically every single organ system, you know, if you have a difficult case of tumor somewhere on the kidney or liver, um, people use it. Um, so anatomical motto, I would say of all organs, but high risk, the higher the risk, the surgery, the more application there are. So congenital heart disease is one thing that comes in mind right away. Uh, because the babies are so small and so precious and you you want to be as safe as possible. So that's my answer. What about you, Fabio? Do you have anything to add? Yeah, I can add that, that uh, for, for Brazilian market, uh, most of the patient-specific implants have together anatomical models to, to check the fitting and also to guide the, the surgeon during the implantation. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, for the end of one, even if you use a off-the-shelf implant, but you have a very critical surgery, difficult surgeries and things like that. That makes for, sense. Uh, for the regular, uh, I forgot the English name for, the, they, are, they are not using for, okay, you request an MRI or you request a CT scan and uh, the surgeon don't, normally don't request a model to check the di diagnostics, not for diagnostics, only for surgery preparation and to the patient-specific inputs. Yeah, so we, we don't really use those models as diagnostics as well, but FDA decided that anatomical model is considered a diagnostic tool. Um, that's just how FDA is looking at that category of uh, products. So when they regulate it, they use a certain guidelines regarding uh, those anatomical models. They're considered diagnostic tool, actually. So it's, it's just a nomenclature, I guess. And it does matter when it comes to regulation. Um, but we use the same way. There's no difference. You use it for pre-surgical planning. Um, I, anyways, I, you know, I have a slew of questions for you, but I don't want to spend a whole hour. It won't be a, a, a fun conversation anymore. Uh, but Fabio, um, have you bought any new gadgets or new hobby lately? Where? Hobbies, things? Yeah. 
I bought I bought not hobby things. I bought a light to do be able to because I had been doing many uh, uh, lectures and speeches. So what I bought it's a new light. The light you can see. I can see the light in your glasses. Well, I, I don't know you how to use it yet. We wear glasses that reflect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to use perfectly yet. Uh, also, uh, I had been doing a lot of. Uh, 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 I have a, a, a class uh, about standards and additive manufacturing next Monday for the first. Uh, additive manufacturing training uh, for the Brazilian hub of additive manufacturing. Gadgets. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I am not. A, I actually am an old dog, Jen. I told you. I don't. I am. Don't go back. Actually, I learned a lot about these new things on the the computers and gadgets and things. I am a very old cat cam guy. The my first my first cat cam had a. Uh, two different monitors for for graphics and text. So you see the text in one monitor and the graphics in the other wow. monitor in 1990. Uh, 1990. Uh, so I'm not very of a gadget guy. I do what I bought recently. I bought new cell phones. Nice. I have a Motorola, a Motorola uh, G series that I like. It's not the, the very... It's not the very the, the train. I know that the trains are Samsung 12s and uh, iPhone 12s. Or Samsung 20s and uh, iPhone 12s. I don't have any of that. Uh, the thing I like to buy, I like to buy coffee makers. Okay. To, because I really like coffee. So I don't I don't buy many, many gadgets or things like that. My I should buy a new uh, 3D printer. I got, Office one. One. I got a new 3D printer. Buy one because I have I have a resin, and I have a, a regular FDM ones. Uh, but both of them I have more than three years, so I should buy a new FDM one with a self uh, platform uh, leveling and uh, uh, sensors making, for the. Are you filament. just making your Christmas wish list right now to me? Maybe if you want to send, <laughs> just send me. Go to well, Alibaba. I print they... them. I'll print your coffee maker. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> It'll but take I haven't buy. I haven't buy any gadgets recently. Actually, when I buy a new gadget, <laughs> nice. I did watch Mandalorian Monday. Uh, when I buy a new gadget, it's a new a new notebook. That's what I buy. Nice. Well. I think I think we're coming to the end of a conclusion here. Uh, thanks very much for our one listener. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, this is fun. I mean, I, I learned a lot just by talking to you about just that little bit of time. I learned a lot about metal 3D printing, and I'm hoping to do this more in the future. Um, and uh, I enjoy. You can call me anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, have a good day, everybody, and we will. See you another Thursday. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jenny. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3D Heroes, and check out the links in the show notes. See you next time. <laughs>